I don't know how to describe it other than like like a demon type of sound. But it's silhouetted, hulking, every bit of five and a half feet wide, 13 to 14 foot tall, pitch black. The one thing that ran through my mind when I had this encounter was I don't have a big enough gun. Your host, two-time witness and field researcher for more than 40 years, William Jevnik. Welcome to Creek Devil. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Bigfoot, America's Creek Devil. Tom, would you like to uh, make an announcement before we get started? Yeah, absolutely. I want to welcome everybody. And gosh, if you've made it this far, uh, you might as well listen to the entire show because this is going to be good. <laughs> and uh, if you like the show, uh, you guys know what to do. Click the like and the subscribe button if you haven't subscribed already. And um, also, if you want to support the show, you can do that for as little as a dollar a month. Some people are doing quite a bit more than that. And uh, on YouTube, if you look in the description, we've got a link to Patreon. And uh, uh, we really appreciate it. So with that said, I will hand the mic back to Will and T. All right. Well, those of you who have heard episode 218, you remember T joined us. Um, and talking about some things that he'd experienced and then later with his job. But we were talking on the phone and uh, he belonged to a hunting group prior to his initial encounter uh, in his truck and, and some very interesting things that went on with that. So uh, tell us about all that stuff. Those are some really interesting stories. Okie dokie. Um, it was a fairly large hunting club. There were 30 members, and uh, we had over, I think it was 3,700 acres of property that we were allowed to hunt on. Um, the landowners, all they required was for us to help them take care of the land, don't cut more trails, you know, use the ones that are already there, you know, just routine things like that. But um, I joined that hunting club first in 1998 and was in it until 2008 when the property got sold. But um, we would get together. We ran dogs on weekends. It was a gun dog hunting club. And uh, we would have instances where we would turn the dogs loose. And the dogs would, you could hear them chasing deer. And then all of a sudden the dogs would get quiet. And next thing you know, the dogs would come back to the truck and won't get out of the truck. You know, that was, that was odd. And it happened a few times. You know, we just. Never could figure out what would scare the dog by that, you know. Um, you know, down here in Alabama, uh, even in the wintertime, uh, we can have days during the wintertime where you get up in the morning, it's 20 degrees, and by noon, it's in the 70s, you know. Well, uh, we had a creek that uh, the dirt road actually crossed over, a little small stream about knee-deep in places. <clears throat> the water was um, constantly flowing right there. And we would use that as a cooler for when we killed deer, you know, put them down in the creek, sink them in the creek, and they would stay cool. Well, I know of on three occasions, the deer went missing. And we couldn't really see because it was, it was loose sand. You could see where it looked like someone or something had walked around there but you couldn't see any distinct tracks of anything because it was really loose sand, you know. And um, we had, uh, I had one of my deer totally disappear. Um, and the day that happened, there were two other deer in the creek right alongside mine from other members. And um, one of those members, he always requ requested of everybody in the club when we kill the deer and when we field dress it, to save him the heart and the liver. So we would all have Ziploc baggies on us, you know, bag those up and give them to him. Well, he had stuffed all of those up in the carcass of the deer that he had killed, so they would stay cool too. And uh, when we went down, when I went down there to get my deer, I left before they did, and uh, they're all gone. And I'm looking around like, where in the hell could they have gone, you know, because two of those deer were nice sized deer, you know, <laughs> they wouldn't. They wasn't lightweight, to put it that way, you know. And uh, the guy that 
kept the heart and heart and uh, liver showed up and uh, he walks down alongside the creek and where that little sandbar is where all the tracks were. Every one of the Ziploc baggies that he had an organ in were ripped open and just just scattered about, and the organ was gone. <laughs> um, there was lots of weird things like that that we never could figure out, and we really didn't put a whole lot of whole lot of thought into it. You know, like oh well, you know, somebody came by and saw the deer and stole them. You know, but. The road where our property was was a dead end road. Uh, it did ended on a larger creek where the bridge was out. So people, there weren't a lot of people that went down there aside from us. And uh, we never could, you know, figure out those things. But there were lots of little things like that that would happen to people. And we were like, yeah, you know. But there was one gentleman. Uh, this was, I'd been in the club for about two years, and I actually worked at the same plant as the club president, you know. And we were talking one night, and I was telling him what had happened to me and a couple of the other guys a couple of days earlier when we had went out there to work on some fences, some gates, you know, that people had torn down. And uh, we got through working that day, and we just sat on a hilltop on a great big giant power line and we thought it was either some wild hogs or a couple of deer down at the bottom of that hill you know making grunting noises and snorting noises and just all kind of things like that well we shined lights down as far as we could see but we never could see anything because uh, pretty good ways down to the bottom of that hill well the next day one of the guys asked calls me and asked me if i had um he had left, left a tool, a tool belt. He thought he had left it in the back of my truck. I went and looked and it wasn't there. He said, I might've left it out there where we were sitting last night. So I rode out there with him and there's all kind of little pine trees about waist high that had been snatched up out of the ground. And it looked like they had been thrown up the hill toward where we were. Well, I was telling that guy, the president of the hunting club that. And he kind of laughed a little bit. He said, you know that creek down at the bottom of the hill? I said, yeah. He told me the name of this man that used to be in the club several years earlier. He had been in a tree stand on the far side of that creek at the top of the hill. And he told them that he saw a Bigfoot walk across the power line at the bottom of the hill. He said he didn't know what else it could be. It was just huge and hairy, you know. Well, he left the hunting club. He, he never went hunting anymore. He didn't didn't join back up. I never met the man. I don't, I don't, I don't even remember his name, but I asked him, I said, what do you think about that? He said, ah, he was prone to drink a little bit, but still, you know, he was dead serious and he never went hunting anymore. You know, that was just another one of those stories that at that time, I just, uh, you know, Bigfoot live out West. You know, they don't, they don't live over here. They're out in California, Oregon, Washington, you know, so, you know, but never could figure out a lot of these little things that happen. Uh, deer going missing. People's lunches being eaten out of the back of their vehicle. I mean, not like somebody had just reached in and got a sandwich and left with it. The plastic would be torn all up. You know, Ziploc baggies just ripped open. All the food gone. Large sacks of potato chips and stuff like that just busted open with potato chips laying everywhere, you know. We never could. We would just get mad about it at the time, and then, oh, well, you know. But things like that happened a lot when I was in that club. And it's only been since I had my encounter that I've started thinking, well, you know, I hear other stories. I hear people, you know, tell things that happened to them. And I'm like, well, you know, that could be the answer to what that was. Um, there were people just would say they just got creeped out in a certain area. And there was a couple of areas on that hunting club property where I didn't go very often because the whole time I'd be there, I felt weird. Like somebody was watching me, you know? So we just kind of avoided those, those areas. You know, there was so much other land down there, you know, you could, you could find somewhere if you wanted to hunt, you know, but I just, um, 
I mean, those are just a few of the stories of things that I remember happening that happened to us that I now feel like I know what did it. You know, at the time it was just a puzzle, you know, we were trying to blame it on other hunters, other people, you know, because in all the years I was there, like I said, we had 30 members, but the, there was only a regular group of about maybe 10 or 12, maybe 15 or 16 that hunted out there on a regular basis. A lot of these other people, they only had the hunting club lease so that they could do turkey hunting in the spring and they would occasionally come out and deer hunt with us. But there were a lot of the members of the club that the only time I ever saw them was when we, when we had our yearly meeting. And there was three members of the club that I never did meet. I never saw them. You know, I heard their names and, and other guys knew them and everything, but I never met them or never saw them out there. So, um, I wish I could still get in touch with some of those guys. I know about two that were in the hunting club, but their jobs take them out of town a lot. So they, they travel a bunch. I never know when I can get in touch with them and, you know, sit down and talk and everything. But like I said, the club's been gone since like 2008, maybe 2009. So, and a lot of the people weren't from around this immediate area. I mean, there were only about seven or eight of us from around this area. And several of those are, have passed away. And, uh, you know, just, I don't have a way to get in touch with everybody to, to ask more questions about things that happened down there. You know, that reminds me of, I was messaging Tom. I it brings up several other times we've heard and things like this, you know, where they're sneaking up and, and getting lunches and things <clears throat> back in 88 in Skamania County, I got a call, uh, about a helicopter logging crew and the guys had all placed their lunches on this big boulder and, you know, were going about their business nearby. And the pilot called down, he saw this big creature sneaking up on their lunches. So he called down to the guys on the ground and said, Hey, there's, there's some animal <laughs> going to get your lunches. And, uh, <laughs> and I went out there and investigated and, uh, found a line of 18 inch tracks out there real deep in the soil. So, um, it, it was, it had happened. And, you know, I don't recall ever finding any kind of tracks out there, but then again, the terrain down here, um, it's kind of soft, loamy soil, unless you get to where like a dirt road or a dirt trail is cut, you know, it's red clay underneath there that, you know, I never saw any tracks on any of the dirt roads and I used to walk them a lot. I would, in fact, I would park my ATV at the end of, or somewhere on the trail and walk the trail to the place where I was going to hunt and then go into the woods, you know, but I never saw feet footprints or anything like that. But there were so many weird things like people's lunches being taken. I mean, usually we would all gang up in several trucks, you know, instead of everybody driving their trucks down there, we'd just get two or three trucks and everybody pile in and go. So there would be several lunches, you know, in the trucks and we'd come back and they'd all be opened and gone through and, and food gone and, you know, things like that. Uh, one of the guys, he really loved really spicy pepper sauce and I had given him some that my uncle made that I just couldn't handle it was too much for me and I love hot stuff but uh he had put it on one of his he put it on he loved it he put it on his sandwiches and <laughs> we went back up there and everybody's <laughs> lunches had been gone through his two sandwiches it looked like it'd been torn in half and they were just thrown down on the ground we could only find about half of each sandwich, you know, and it, it didn't look like, I mean, I was, I remember looking at it to see if it looked like somebody had taken a bite because it looked like somebody had eaten half the sandwich, you know, but it, it looked like it just been torn in, torn apart, you know, but yeah, they were thrown down. Know, like, a... Everybody else's food was gone, but his was still eating there. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs> T, I'm going to interject one thing real quick. You talked about the trees that were pulled up out of the ground. Yeah. Will has seen that two years ago. A buddy of mine and I were in an area where Will and I have gone up and encountered these things. And we found probably, I don't know, 15 to 20 
trees, saplings pulled up yeah. out of the ground by the roots. And it's like, you know, you get a tree that even that's six to eight inches tall, good luck pulling yeah. those things up by the roots. Well, we tried things, pulling some of those saplings up. They were about knee high or waist high, and we yeah. couldn't do it. You know, nope. it, uh-uh. Yeah, and yeah, Colt, we I found mean, a whole bunch of one day that were, you know, they were dug fir and alder trees that were about four or five feet tall, just yanked out of the ground like something walked along and did it like it was nothing. These, they, they were thrown from the bottom of the hill because we, we like, like, where'd these pine trees come from? Because around where the pine trees were laying, where, where we had been parked, by the way, that guy's two belt was laying there. He had laid it on the ground and got it. But um, but they were there were no pine trees. There were no saplings. The only saplings were down at the bottom of the hill, close to the to the creek. Which that creek, by the way, is the same creek that we had deer go missing out of. About uh, about a hundred yards downstream from where we were, you know, it's where the dirt road crossed that creek, and uh, you know that's where we kept. We called it the deer cover, you know. But um. You, we walked down to the bottom of the hill alongside the creek there, and you could see where those saplings had been pulled up and thrown. Uh, kind of hard to estimate distance because it's uphill, but I'd say probably about 30 or 40 yards, you know, thrown up towards us. And they weren't quite getting to where we were. They were probably about another 20 yards away from us down the hill where most of them were laying, you know. But there was probably about 20, maybe more that we found saw laying around up there, you know. And yeah, that we like I said, when it was happening, we thought we were listening to some because wild boar had gotten pretty bad down here. Wild hogs. And uh we thought it may have been some wild hogs down there rooting around by the creek, making all that racket. At one point I thought I heard a deer snort, you know, fairly close by, which wasn't unusual. The place was loaded with deer, you know. And uh yeah, that's that was that's one thing that stuck out in my mind after I had my encounter. It's one of the first things I thought about. That guy telling me that that other guy had said he saw a, a well, he said a big hairy monster walk across the power line alongside that creek and disappear in the woods. And like I said, when I first heard it, you know, I I just kind of discounted it. You know, I couldn't I couldn't put my I couldn't wrap my brain around something being down here. You know, this is Alabama. We we got water moccasins and rattlesnakes, you know. <laughs> but um <clears throat> Yeah, there were in the uh ten years I was in that club there were a lot of strange things that happened that we never could figure out what it was or what did it or who did it or anything. But since my encounter I look back and I think about those things especially when I'm listening to other people tell about their encounters when they're out hunting and doing things like that. And I'm like, you know, that fits right in. That's exactly, you know, I've been through that exact same experience, but I never thought Bigfoot, you know, I just, like I said, couldn't wrap my brain around that. (laughs) Hey, T, do you, um, you still go hunting at any of those, uh, hunt clubs or anything? Or? No, uh, not that one in particular. I have a, I have a, a some family land that I go hunting on occasionally. Um, but yeah, all of that land, the man that owned it passed away, and his family oh, that's first right. thing did come through and clear cut everything off of there that they could cut, and then they turned around and sold all of that property. In fact, a couple of years before that happened about 700 or 800 acres of land that we had belonged to Mead, the paper company. Yeah. And, uh, we had lost that because Mead was in financial trouble. They went bankrupt and ended up getting bought out by a company called West rock. And, uh, but all that land ended up being sold and it's, it's all subdivisions and, and big farms down there. Now, all of that land that I used to hunt on, uh, it's all private property. You can't even get back there to it anymore. They got the road blocked off actually. You know, and it's a, it was a major county road. It was a county dirt road. But since people owned all the land on it, they were able to talk the uh, the county into blocking off the whole road, you know, so people wouldn't be going back on their oh, property and messing. Yeah. So. Well, it's too bad because uh, if you do run into a chunk of land or a hunt club or something where, 
you have that reoccurring problem, especially the one with the lunches being stolen. Uh, and if you still have access to that pepper sauce, I would have every single person in the truck bring along special sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> you guys hungry? Here you go. <laughs> I actually I actually have the recipe for that stuff. Like I said, first time I tried a couple of drops of it. Uh, it's made out of Carolina Reaper peppers. Oh yes, I've heard of those. And, I've never had them. You know those <laughs> those were just coming out around that time, and my uncle had made those made that sauce out of those things. And he grows hot stuff like that all the time. He always has. And they they were just that was I mean it literally took my breath away. I couldn't breathe. <laughs> you know there's so, there's a there's an episode of Dirty Jobs I saw yesterday where they were uh, at a place I, and I think in the Carolinas where they were t- at a farm raising that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> i grew some several years ago just for the heck of it you know and uh i made the mistake of touching one of the peppers one day i didn't pick it i just was you know looking at it on the vine and a little while later it was i was sweating so i, I wiped my forehead with my hand <laughs> yeah and all of a sudden i started burning and when I went in the house, it looked, my forehead looked like I was sunburned. I mean, you know, oh, I mean, it was red. And you could see my finger marks where I had wiped. Good thing you didn't have so, to go yeah, to the bathroom. I, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> my, I have a friend who, who he likes to pickle things. You know, one of my, I, I love pickled green tomatoes, you know. But um, he always throws a little bit of pepper in them, you know, to give them a little bit of zing. Well, a couple of years ago, he was he made some, or he was going to make me some more. I said, can you hot them up a little bit more, put a little more pepper or something other in there? He said, yeah. Well, he lives next door to a friend of mine that grows those things. He went and got some of the reapers and put a reaper in each jar. And those pickled green tomatoes were almost too hot to eat. I mean, they were good and spicy. I loved them. But they were just right on the borderline of being too hot to eat, you know. But I'm sitting there finishing off a jar, and I saw that. He didn't put a whole reaper in there. He just cut, cut them in half and threw about a half of one in each jar. I stuck my fork down in the jar, and it, it comes up with that pepper. I'm like, well, you know, the tomatoes wasn't that bad. So I threw it in my mouth, and by the third chew on it, I knew I'd done messed up. That was not very comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> and the next day, it was even worse. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> we we won't elaborate. Well, I, you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I think you can remove paint with that stuff too, can't off of metal. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I bet you could remove skin with it if you wiped hard enough. <laughs> <laughs> and those people on YouTube that sit and actually eat one. Oh, oh I know. Mm-mm. Well, and the ice have mm. uh, you know an EMT or paramedic on on standby <laughs> you know i have actually heard of people having to get medical attention after trying to eat one of those because it caused their mouth and throat to swell and they couldn't breathe <laughs> you know like an allergic reaction you, you know, know but, they were they were saying on that show though that stuff is kind of in the same family as arsenic and and things like that yeah it is wow. they are um yeah it's a. Uh, it's something I, I tell you. I, I like hot stuff, and I love good and spicy food. You know things like that. But just to eat a pepper for the hotness, I won't ever do that again. I've eat a, I ate a habanero one time that I grew, just to eat one, and that was painful enough. But you know, a habanero is about a quarter as hot as a reaper. You know, now <laughs> so, here's here's a tip for people out there: if you if you don't want Bigfoot to sneak up around your house, grow those plants. Pepper plants are in your house. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, and you know, when I delivered magazines, um, a lot of my customers were Indian. And I got to talking to them about the ghost pepper. They said, oh, yeah, they grow them over there, you know, where I'm from, over in India. I said, to eat? He said, oh, no, 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 we don't eat them. So they pound them up and they make a paste and they smear it on poles all around their garden to keep elephants out of their garden. Oh, wow. <laughs> Oh, well, that would he do said, no, it. We don't, we, he said, we don't eat those things. No, uh-uh. You know, he said, tie them up into a paste and smear it on poles around the garden to keep elephants out. <laughs> I said, wow. You know, with a Sasquatch, that would probably work one of two ways. Either they'd stay away 
or or your place would get trashed. <laughs> oh yeah, that, I imagine it would. My luck, it would be they'd probably get pissed off and tear up everything. I had. <laughs> they'd find my truck flipped over in the woods and stuff like that. <laughs> no, no peppers. <laughs> yeah no yeah so they'd write on there <laughs> well i think that's that the stuff that make... because... go ahead well, man. no i was just gonna say i think that's the stuff that they use but when you buy bear spray you know something that oh probably that yeah, the, the, the yeah. juice out of hot pepper capsaicin yeah it's it's concentrated and put into a spray can and, and uh you know, I've been pepper sprayed. A friend of mine had a can of pepper spray one time. He was fiddling with it, and I kept telling him, leave that thing alone before you end up spraying us. Well, here you know, about five minutes later, he thumbed the damn trigger on it somehow or another, and it got all over me and him. And it didn't get on my face, <laughs> you got but it lucky. got all over my arm and the side of my neck. And I swear it was like my skin was literally felt like it was on fire, you know, from that. It's like a sunburn. Yeah, it, it, that's exactly how my skin felt the next day, like I had a sunburn there. You know, Tom, do you remember T.W. But, talking about using pepper spray? He, he was getting surrounded by a group of these creatures one time, and he used pepper spray, just kind of sprayed it in the area, and it really ticked him off. Yeah, I forgot ooh, about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll have to get him on to talk about that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd well, love to hear about that. Now, that's pretty good there. <laughs> yeah, he said they, were, they weren't happy, and he won't do it again. <laughs> We all thought that was just hilarious, though, when we go up there. And he was the first. He was the first one up in the truck. He's going. I'm going to eat. I'm hungry. He's a big old fella. He's he's about six foot six, huge fella, you know. He gets up out of the truck and he just starts cussing. I I was still about fifty yards away and I could hear him cussing and raising all kind of cane. Well, I get up there and I see why everybody's food and coolers are dumped over and sandwiches gone, potato chips busted open, scattered all over the place, you know. And we get looking for him, and there's his two sandwiches laying there. <laughs> <laughs> well, he said, I, did, I picked one up. I said, You can probably dust it off meat if you want to. He just gave me a dirty look. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we had a guy who was on our show. This is a while back. Will, you remember this? Lee. And he, ha- he was living in Oregon, mm-hmm. Central Oregon, on the east side of the Cascades. And he ordered a pizza. And he had some buds coming over. So, you know, the pizza is pretty hot. So he stuck it out on the uh, table, just out on the back, uh, you know, on the patio back there. And he was in the house, he said, for 10, maybe 15 minutes, just doing a few things. And he comes out and the pizza and the box and everything gone. And he's had (laughs) these things on his property. Yeah. And, And I remember thinking, you know what? You need to do that again. Only, <laughs> I'm gonna... <laughs> well, he I was, was say he was already upset. If you recall about him coming out and tearing up the outhouse that they built, that new heavy duty one. Oh yeah, oh, my oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I don't know if they were looking for little num nums in. There I, I don't know what they were, they were looking for there. tearing up the outhouse, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I want to know. <laughs> No, no, we don't. <laughs> Maybe that's why have, they stink so bad. I don't know. Let me let me tell you about another story that I heard while I was in that hunting club. Um, a little bit of background to it and everything, but there were these two sets of brothers that were in the club, and they were cousins. You know, um, two of them, two of them were twins, and the other two were just brothers. They were cousins of the two twins. One of them, the oldest, he he didn't hunt with us a lot because of his job. You know, he's a millwright, so he was out of town a lot. But um, when I first got in the club, you know, I go to the meeting and meeting all the guys. And the president of the club that I, you know, I told you I worked with, he's walking me around and introducing me to everybody, and we're talking and everything. And uh, he introduced me to these guys, and uh, he said, uh, "I'm gonna tell you the truth now." He said. They're good boys. He said, they're good fellows. He said, they're not dangerous or anything. He said, but the only reason they're in this hunting club is so they have somewhere to practice their ag- agriculture. And I looked at, I said, agriculture. He kind of held two fingers up to his mouth. He said, you know, I said, oh, I said, they've got stuff growing down here. He said, yeah, way back in the swampy area down there. He said, we all know where it is. He said, so if you find some, he said, don't go and call the cops and get everybody in trouble. You know, just tell them, hey, you know, I found your stuff. You might want to see about moving it, you know. <laughs> well, 
that, like I said, this area that they hunted and they stayed in just about every time they went down there was, it was kind of a swampy area. It was close to a large creek where two smaller creeks ran into it, you know. I hunted down there a few times, but I didn't like it. It was one of them places that creeped me out. Every time I'd be down there, it, it would just be too quiet, you know, and I wouldn't stay down there long. But they were telling me there was this one place down there, and everybody in the club knew where it was. We used to name places, you know, over on the big hill or over on the bad road, you know. Well, this place was called The Nest, and it's because alongside one of the creeks that flowed into the larger creek, over the thousands of years that creek had been flowing, it had hollowed out a you know, side of a hill. It had just basically carved it down. So there was a bluff about 20 or 30 foot high. And at the very top of it, there was like a giant nest of boulders. I mean, huge boulders, bold, you know, the size of a car, you know. And you could get up in that nest and you could see game trails on the bottom down there in every direction that you looked. So I hunted there a few times, but like I said, it creeped me out. So I never hung out down there too much. Well, one day they telling, they were telling one of the other guys this, and he tells me later on, um, said they had been below the nest, which meant they were on the opposite side of the creek where there was a level spot. And so they had stopped and were sitting there talking. And they said they heard a rumble behind them. He said all of a sudden part of the whole dirt wall with rocks and boulders just collapsed down. And they told him that a Bigfoot stood up out of the creek after all that stuff fell in the creek and took off limping up the creek. And I didn't know where to allow that to be, you know, true or, you know, maybe agriculture might've been involved. You know, <laughs> I wasn't sure. So we just kind of laughed at it, you know, but they swore up and down for years. And time we'd start laughing at them about it. No, nah, man, we just found the tracks of that crippled thing. The other day said one foot turned into his, to this pointing to his other foot, you know, and said he walks with a limp. So you can see where he drags the foot. So, well, you know, we've, We've actually heard of that before, um, but you know, going back to the, the the guy Lee who had the pizza episode, um, we also kind of suggested, you know, if uh, if you don't put hot sauce in there, maybe you could put some sort of a agricultural product in there. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of it. <laughs> but I don't know idea. if that's a good idea having one of those things all zoned out running around either. <laughs> yeah, that problem that might be a little uncomfortable there. <laughs> you know. But yeah, the hunting stories are the ones I like to hear the most, you know, because I can point back to things that I saw that yeah. You know, that makes sense now. Well, here in Oregon, we have a lot of people, uh, especially at certain times of the year, but mainly people that, that are out, you know, picking chanterelles, mushrooms, stuff like that. They're out there by themselves. They're, they're mm -hmm. famous for doing that because, you know, they, they're very guarded about their, uh, you know, their mushroom patches, you know, or location of them. Yeah. But, Every single year, it's over and over again. You hear about them, um, mushroom pickers that have just vanished. They didn't fall down a ravine. They didn't break a leg. Uh, nobody knows what happened to them, but the SAR teams can't find them. The dogs can't find them. They're just gone, just plain vanished. You know, I remember reading a story in a, in a I don't remember if it was in Alabama Game and Fish magazine or it was some sort of a hunting magazine because up in the north part of Alabama around, you know, close to Tennessee, um, people pick morel mushrooms and ginseng. And there was a man that had gone ginseng hunting somewhere up there and he never came back home. And his, his family, they went out and they found his, his car and they knew roughly the area that he was going to be in where they found where he had, um, made up a pack, a bundle to carry out laying next to a tree. And, but that was all they ever found of. They've never seen that man again, you know? And yeah, you know, this happened. I remember reading this. It was after I had my encounter, you know, because where they were talking about was an area that I actually drove through on, on that route that I was on that when I had my encounter. 
so well, yeah, you know, I was uh, I was like blown away by the fact that you know people really are disappearing. You know? And you kind of <laughs> you sort of connect the dots to where these things are and these people that have vanished. I mean, it's and it's it's no small number. I mean, there's a very very small town here in Oregon. It's south of me, quite a bit south. It's near California. And they actually have their own web page. I mean, this town, you can throw rocks from one end of town of the city limits to the other. I mean, it's really a small town. And they have a web page called, uh, you know, what happened to our people or something like that. And in the span of, I think a span of 18 months, um, well over 20 some people, poof, gone, vanished. And this this little town is right in the middle of the Cascades, right, and in, in an area where it's just thick with these things. It's uh, well, you know where Grants Pass is, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, well it's, I know it's where that's at. Yeah. okay. All right, well it's it's just outside of Grants. It's not too far from Grants Pass. And uh, is it White City? Yeah. No, it's um, I think it's uh, Wolf Creek. Okay. And uh, they actually have their own web page, uh, you know, what happened to all these people. And they're recent, you know, it's it's like there's a lot of people that have just vanished. Yeah, when I read that story about that guy, it had just happened like the year before. Because uh, uh, they had his picture in there, and, and, you know, have, if you've seen this man or, you know, you know anything, you know who to contact and everything. Mm-hmm. But what was really odd about that place where it happened is it's close to a... a Close to us, uh, I wouldn't say a small town, but it's not a big town either, you know. In fact, the mountainside where that guy was on, you can actually look down on that town right down below at the bottom of the mountain, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was maybe two miles from the town, and it wasn't a very big, very big plot of forest, like, you know, like I'm, like you have out there in, in Oregon, you know. It was... The place he had to hunt permission to hunt on and do that stuff on, I think it was only about 400 acres. So, you know, and it's surrounded by roads and houses. Sure. (laughs) Well, that's that's what I find. I think a lot of people find astonishing is exactly that. But, you know, these creatures will more and more we hear about where they're not far from suburban areas. But all they need is that patch of uh, concealment. And they're good. Well, you remember yeah. remember Don from the Navajo Nation. Uh, you know, Don and I are in pretty regular contact, and he was texting me last night, I believe, about uh, an area where he's currently at because his job. He moves around, but he's uh, closer back home now. He's not in Washington anymore. But uh, he was telling me uh, that the locals, uh, you know, the uh, the Navajo people there, talk about these things, and and apparently the area they they feed very heavily on dogs and cats and livestock and he sent me a picture and i sent you the picture of the area what it looks like and there's there's cover it's not heavily forested or anything but there's cover there and water um so they have everything they need and apparently you know the locals pretty much leave them alone mainly because they take what they want (laughs) right yeah (laughs) well will what about because i read your story in Yakult, across the street from a fire station, there was like a little patch of woods. There was a stand of timber there, probably, you know, five, ten acres worth. Okay, so it's it wasn't huge, and you guys were walking in, t- in there, and I'm trying to remember, you you saw one set or multiple oh, sets no. well, what of happened? Well, you know, we'd been investigating that area for almost a year, and and we thought the activity had subsided quite a bit towards the end of that nine-month time period. So I had a group of people with me, uh, and we went in there one night, and it it was an area, there had been a lot of sightings around that, of course, down from the Goldhammer property and and along that road towards uh, the town of Yakult. The town of Yakult was a tiny little place. It's still not very big, but it was really little then. And um, we walked in there, didn't really see or hear hear anything going in, so we went to the far side of the where the timber line was, and it was rainy, so we decided to come back. And on the way back, we saw, oh, geez, 
there was there was at least four sets of eyes eye shine and they they had surrounded us and uh we we had to just keep going we had to get out of there so <laughs> Uh, but they they let us go. They weren't the creatures didn't seem to real be real aggressive there. I mean they were bold, but mm-hmm. um, they didn't harm anybody that I'm aware of. But that is interesting that and because I looked at that area, uh, what I think was the same area on Google Earth. It, I it's found due south of town. Okay, and there's there's not a whole lot of fire stations. There's only one. <laughs> I think there's only one. There's only one, <laughs> and right across the street was to the east side, of, right. Okay, a patch of woods. Right, that was the place. And I was like, right there. Well, and that whole business of them being bold and surrounding you, or surrounding you in like, you know, about 180 degrees, that happened to us, oh, only both times that we were up in the area. <laughs> I've had it happen a few <laughs> times in the, over the years. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a little unnerving. But one of the locals, to say the least. One of the locals in Yakult, if you look on on Google Earth, you'll see a, a baseball field. Kind of, it's kind of on the north side of the town, and um, all the locals were there watching the kids play baseball one day. And I don't recall exactly when this happened, but one of the locals was telling me that, that it was present. And somebody happened to look over, and this was in the middle of the afternoon, and he see one of these creatures standing over there watching the game, and all these people was just looking at him, and it, and then. They raised the alarm and everybody saw, you know, there were hundreds of people that they saw this thing and then it left, but it was there watching the, the proceedings. Wow. Wasn't, it, wasn't it standing kind of behind or around the corner of a building and watching the game go on? It, it may have been. I, I can't remember all the details offhand. I, it's in I, my notes somewhere. I, but. I heard or read some, a story similar to that where it was, it, and had apparently been there for a while. Yeah, it had been there a while. Watching the game, well, you know. I think it was ticked off at the referee at some of the calls he was making. <laughs> but that's not the only story I got from that area, that region. You know, the creature standing there watching people. Remember, Tom, there was the one um, about the utility worker. And this was over on, on the south side of Lake Merwin, which is one of the dammed um, parts of the Lewis River. There's three lakes up there, uh, Swift, Merwin, and Yale. And Merwin is the, the downstream farthest one. So there's a wide area, and apparently there was, you know, people out there on, on the shore of the lake doing whatever they were doing. And this utility worker had pulled over to, to do some paperwork. And a few moments after sitting there, he happened to notice by the tree line this creature and it was staring, it was just staring at those people over at the edge of the water. And it really unnerved him. And I think he watched it for about 15 or 20 minutes before it, it oh, noticed wow. him watching. And then it slowly, you know, backed into the trees and, and was gone. But he said it really creeped him out the way it was looking at him. Mm hmm. And, and the fact that. Studying food broad, or something. Yeah. Well, in broad daylight, sitting there watching these people. Yeah, broad playing daylight. a baseball game. Yeah, you know, I wonder if it was just intrigued. What are they doing? Or who knows? Well, you know, I... I was, oh, go ahead. Go ahead, T. No, no one uh, what's, what's really strange about what you guys are talking about is uh, there's a place uh, here in Oklahoma uh, and pretty... Per, we, we have found... And seen Bigfoot in this area, it's over in Anadarko by the casino. Well, down the road from the casino, there's a there's a baseball field down there. And what what's really interesting is is there's been people that have seen them watching watching the kids and people playing baseball in that area. And they'll stay they'll stand out by the by the wood line and to get some cover, but. There's been quite a few people that have seen them down there, seeing the same thing that what you guys are describing. I wonder if all that noise that and activity job. is just too much of a draw for them. Well, now that that job that I had up working for the government, um, that lady stopped me that day that she was walking over to the playground where all the kids were, and there was a lot of kids there. There was some kids' birthday party or something, but they were probably. 30 kids out there running around playing 
and they were all over on the playground, and the thing was standing behind the restroom facility building watching them. When the lady went walking across there, she just happened to look over behind the building and saw it standing there just watching the kids, you know. That's kind of creepy, and, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and she said as soon as it looked and saw her looking at it, she said that's when it got on all fours and ran to the wood line and then got to the wood line, stood up, and ran off on two legs. Oh, wow. Yeah, you know, that's creepy. That is, yeah. You but know what would be the, interesting? Well, oh, go ahead. The playground the edge of it you know it was it like had a, a wooden border around it and sand all in it with all the playground equipment and everything um it was only about 30 yards from the wood line and the restroom facility was even closer you know because of the way the wood line kind of curved around so it was maybe within 15 or 20 yards of the wood line but it didn't go that way into the wood it ran the long way past the playground where the kids were playing into the woodland, you know. I remember that woman. She was hysterical. You know, they were like, what is that? I'm, I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> well, didn't you guys have, <clears throat> you had two sets of reports. You had reports, uh, a form that you'd fill out for, you know, Bobcat or Coyote yeah, or something. Yeah. Animal encounters, and then you had a yeah. separate one. What, what what did they call that? It was like it was entitled "Strange Animal Encounters." Strange Animal Encounters. Okay, boy, I love I that. Mean, and the forms were so similar. I mean, there weren't very much difference. Just uh, in the part where you know the witness, where you wrote down what the witness said and everything, and they signed it down at the bottom. There was a lot more lines to write on. You know, made me when you were talking oh. back before about the uh, the guy growing his pharmaceuticals out there. Uh, made me think of a story that Lee told us time. Remember, up here in Northern California, there was uh, he knew some people who were growing some pretty big pot uh, farms up. Yeah, in the woods. Uh, unlicensed pharmaceuticals. Right, right. And he said they they had built a pretty uh, sturdy cabin up there that they were you know whoever was manning the place would stay in. Very sturdy. Oh, yeah. And yeah. they had like a, a little door, you know, like a people. They could open the door and see, you know, who was at the door because they, they'd uh, lock it up pretty tight. And uh, apparently these creatures had been doing things around um, this cabin and, and the pot plant. So one day one of the guys was there and apparently one of the creatures, and it must have been one of the smaller ones because it was right at where the peephole was, but it was turned around facing outward. So just the back of its head yep. was showing. And the guy pulled a 357 out and shot it in the head. It capped it right there. Right yep. there. Yep. And uh, they, uh, he, he beat feet. I, apparently the creatures ran or whatever. So he was able to get away. But when, you know, the growers came back to the location, it had trashed the entire place. And I believe he said they, they abandoned their pot farm. <laughs> Well, wow. yeah, and he also said that um, it, it creeped him out because, you know, he shot this thing that was sort of humanish, but not definitely not a human. But he hooked it up to a logging chain in his tractor and he drug it down to the river. And the idea was he just put it in the river and this thing would just float miles on down. Well, it floated, I think he said 200 yards and it got tangled up in some brush in a bunch of <laughs> yeah, a bunch of trees and stuff. And he's like, "Oh, now what am I gonna do?" <laughs> and the next day, he went out there and it was gone. He said there was no way that that thing, by the natural movement of the water in the river, that it had, you know, untangled itself. No. So these other creatures they came and, came got and it. retrieved it. Yeah. But could you imagine if that thing had floated down the river and you got people, you know, bathing or swimming or fishing, <laughs> picnicking, and oh, here comes this dead Bigfoot. You know, I doubt by. I doubt they would have let it get too far because uh, they were probably watching the whole thing. And they, like he said, that the other ones, they all ran when he shot. Yeah. And I had forgot the part where it had gone back because the cabin was very stout. Mm -hmm. 
is a very well-built cabin. It's very sturdy. And I'd forgot the part that had gone back and trashed the whole area. Oh, yeah. They, they went back and trashed the whole place. They're vindictive, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, down there on that hunting club land, we didn't, it wasn't a cabin per se. It was just like a, a awning, a little shelter, you know, maybe like um, 12 by 20 feet, maybe, you know. And we had like a, a brick built with just a, a brick barbecue pit that we had put together. Because we would, sometimes we'd camp down there and we'd stay there around that hut. You know, matter of fact, we kept firewood stacked up, you know. Some of the guys, when they'd get tired of hunting, they'd go over yonder and whip out big pots and cook big pots of stew for everybody to eat and everything like that. Well, the president of the club come in one night out there at work. He come up to me. He said, hey, when's the last time you've been down there? We used to call it the hut. He said, when's the last time you've been down there at the hood? And I didn't know what he was talking about at first. I said, what do you mean? He said, down there on the, on the club land, when's the last time you went over to the hood? I said, I was there this past weekend. He said, I was too. He said, uh, I went down there today. He was looking. He had lost one of his dogs. and He'd been going down there every day trying to find that dog, you know, calling for him and everything. And uh, something had tore the hood. He said it was splinters. You know, it was built out of four by four posts, you know, had a tin roof. It wasn't a big substantial structure or anything, but he said the bricks that the barbecue pit, he said they were thrown all over the place. He said, like just, just scattered. And uh, he said that had to have happened yesterday because he had talked to one of the other guys and he had been there the day before. And uh, he said, I, that was just one of those things, you know, somebody, we figured somebody went down there just, you know, vandals and, and did all of that. We had garbage cans down there too, because we'd get through hunting. We would do a little bit of beer drinking and everything, but, um, one of the guys saved cans. So he had some barrels down there that we put all the beer cans in and everything. He said there were beer cans scattered all the way up the trail. It's like somebody had, he, and the barrel was gone. He said, I have no idea where that barrel is, but, uh, we figured vandals, but that was just another one of those little weird things that happened down there. You know, yeah, Tom, and, we've heard that before too, with the cans. Remember? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. <clears throat> and you see well, that weekend, that weekend that I had been down there, some, the guys had went and got a whole bunch of stuff out of the freezers and they cooked a giant, I'm talking about one of those great big cast iron pots full of stew. I mean, I, I, we all carried home buckets full of that stew, you know, and, uh, but they had turned the, uh, cast iron pot, just turned it upside down, rinsed it out best they could, you know, turned it upside down and the guy that owned it was going to come back and get it later. Well, it was busted. I mean, like, like somebody had, had just, just picked it up and smashed it. Oh, really? But that thing weighed about a hundred pounds and it was huge. It, it took several of us to get it off the truck, you know? So, yeah, I mean. So it was ticked. There's no food. You guys didn't leave any food there for them. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the beer, you didn't leave any beer for them. So you really got this thing mad. <laughs> now, if Forrest was here, we'd say there was beans it was missing too, but. <laughs> That's right. Yep. <laughs> well, you remember we had Jerry yeah, on who had, had the same thing. He had that. Um, that container he was using to recycle cans and plastic and things. Yeah. And he went, went out one day and all those cans were strewn along the trail down towards the creek. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Then they came back and tried pushing his trailer over. And you wonder, what's the motivation? You know, why? What, where were they coming from? You know, what was the deal with that? I don't know. But, well, some perceived slight, most likely. Yeah. Well, and it's like, why did they throw that can of beans at Forrest's head? Uh, well, she thinks they may have dropped it on her, and that which is most likely the cause. I don't think it threw it. If they'd have thrown it, she'd have been in real trouble. But yeah. Do you think they get angry when they go to where we've been eating and they can't find food? Seriously. I mean, you think that might be. It's possible. Sure. If that's what's in their mind when they go there. Yeah. I've investigated places where 
you know, locals would go out on the weekends and party and leave all kinds of, you know, trash and things around. And, and people would see them that were the few people that were up there during the week, they'd be up there and they would see them in those locations going through trash. Wow. That's one of the things Don you know, was telling me. I asked him if the, the locals there, you know, the, the native folks were uh, having problems with their trash. And he said they burn their trash. I said, well, that's that's one plus in their favor. Yeah. Well, you know, speak, speaking about trash, um, I talked to a man. I've known him for years. Uh, he had moved out of town back in the mid nineties, he had moved out of town and, uh, he moved back here about maybe 10 years ago. And I ran into him and we were talking and the reason he moved out of town is he had got a job working for the state government up there in where Fort McClellan used to be. And that's a national guard, uh, training area now. And, uh, in fact, Pelham range, which is part of Fort McClellan, or was part of Fort McClellan, <clears throat> was the training range that we used when I got out of the regular army and got into reserve, National Guard. You know, we used that training range up there. And they had what they called the track park, where, they, where all the tanks, armored vehicles, everything was, you know, parked close to the maintenance shop and everything. And when we would come in from weekend drill and stuff, they had everywhere where we would clean out the vehicles and, uh, you know, several big dumpsters over there. And people will be throwing, you know, partially eating MREs, all kind of garbage into those dumpsters. Well, he had got a job working for the state at that maintenance depot, working on the vehicles. And uh, he told me that um, about two years after he started working there, said he was, him and a couple other guys were working late one evening that done got dark. And, uh, he said, one of the guys come back in, he went to carry some stuff to the dumpster. He come back in and he said, they're out there again. And he asked him what, and said, them guys really didn't want to talk about it. But they finally told him that these, these things that come out of the woods and they ramble through them dumpsters, especially after the, you know, guard troops have been here over the weekend. He said, they go through those dumpsters out there eating the MREs. He said, there'll be MRE packs and food just scattered everywhere the next day, you know? And I asked him, you know, and all the time he was there, did he ever see one? He said, not up close. He said, I did see what I thought was some people walking through the middle of the track park at night. You know, it's lit up fairly good, you know, with security lights and stuff. He said, but they were on the far side of it. And he said, I drove down there to where I saw them. He said, by the time I got there, they, there, were no, there was nobody around. But the whole place is gravel, so that you really don't find tracks or footprints or anything like that. But, you know, it's a, it's a big area. I'm talking that track park's probably 20 acres in size. Oh, yeah, you know, we have to be sure. 12-foot high security. Yeah, with a 12-foot high security fence all the way around it. And uh, he said that there was, there was one gate on the back side of it, and there was the main gate where we went in and out of. I never saw that back gate being used. He said, but the back gate, when he got back there to it, the chain was torn off of it. And the gate was open about three foot, you know, so. Oh, that's interesting. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm trying to find out how to get in touch with him. I see some of his family every now and then. And he doesn't live close, but he lives within 30 miles of me. But I'm trying to get in touch with him to see if he might be able to tell me anything else he saw up there. Yeah, it'd be interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. And he said it tore the uh the chain or something or the cable or whatever yeah, it was it secured the he said he said there was a chain that fit into a lock it had a the lock was built into a steel pole and the chain plugged into it and you had to stick a key into that lock to unlock the chain you know he said it was just like snatched out of it wow he said the end of it that plugged into the lock was still in the lock it was broken off they must like those MREs a lot. Um, <laughs> they'd, be, they'd be the only ones. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> you, you remember remember Forrest sent that picture of the, <clears throat> the chimp eating its own poop? Well, uh, if, if these guys do things like that, then they have no taste. MREs would be right up their alley. 
MRIs to be like, yeah, five-star meals. But, (laughs) you know, some of them come with Tabasco. And then some of them come with that self-heating stuff. You know, you put water in it and it heats it up. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'd love to see them eat that, wolf it down, and then it gets in their stomach and mixes with some fluids. (laughs) Yeah, because it's some sort of... I know the gas that it creates. They tell you don't don't breathe that gas because it's hydrogen gas. Oh, oh, yeah. It creates when you know when you add water to it, and I know it. You know, I got a whoop of it in my face a few times, and it, it kind of would take your breath away. You wouldn't, you know, be able to breathe. That's bad like news. Some of that stuff can actually interact with the air and and cause a flame that's invisible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, I didn't, I didn't like those those flameless heaters very much. I mean, I I used them, but I didn't I didn't care for them. They uh sometimes they would leave the the, the packet. You know, you, the outside of the packet would have that taste on it, and if you got that in your food, it it made the MRE even worse if that's possible. <laughs> <laughs> well, if they ate, if they ate that stuff, they wouldn't need to wipe. <laughs> no, you you right about that. <laughs> Three days on those things, and you're eating eggs like like they're candy. You know. Oh well, I'm <laughs> telling you, we I was in when we had sea rats, so <laughs> I don't know. I think I like sea rations better than MREs. <laughs> you know, some of those sea rations because we had some of those in these huge tin cans. You'd you'd open it, you know, you had that metal key, and you just mm-hmm. turned it around and had that metal ribbon and you could take one or two of those sea rations and throw it into a lake and it would suck i mean that lake would be dry we're talking about the crackers I mean, those, the crackers yeah yeah those crackers yeah <laughs> those those inedible crackers. when i got in they were on the gen, the first generation mres and actually some of them tasted pretty good and the second generation they were okay uh, a few of them but when they started coming out with the third generation the menus I mean, ugh. and the ones they got now, I don't see how people eat those things. You know, you know, in 80, know, but... 80, 81, they were experimenting with what they were going to, they weren't quite sure what they were going to go to yet. They knew they were going to move on from sea rats. But I remember my squad and I got to try all kinds of different things. And the only thing I really liked was they, they had this brick. It was a, that was a dehydrated brick and it was a complete meal. Um, and all you had to do was really add hot water to it, and it was good to go. It would, you know. But uh, I like those. It was just uh, you had to make sure you had hot water. <laughs> Otherwise, you yeah, were chewing we on a brick. A <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, the guys I really felt sorry for were the um, uh, the Gemini and Apollo astronauts. I mean, they were given some stuff, especially the Apollo astronauts going to the moon. It's like, hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All that stuff. I mean, the Tang, you guys probably remember Tang, the oh, orange shoot. Yeah. That stuff wasn't too bad, you know. I don't think I ever uh, Yeah, I don't like Tang. I've got some in the cabinet right oh. now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but some of those other things, like beef bergion or whatever, you know, oh, you mix a little bit of water with that. Oh, okay. <laughs> it, it was some nasty food. Yeah, You know, the first time I went to the Space Center in Huntsville, Alabama, I was about 12 years old. And they had little samples of what the astronauts ate in space. You know, it was in like little tubes, like a, tooth, like a toothpaste tube. Yeah, and right. you would inject water into it with this little thing, you know, hot or cold, whichever you wanted, you know, and squeeze it up and then just pop the top open and squirt it in your mouth and eat it. And we all thought that was just neat until we tasted it. It was horrible. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Fellas, I hate to say it, but we're out of time. So we'll we'll end on that note. Um, any final thoughts or comments, guys? Um, yeah, they need to improve the MREs. <laughs> <laughs> well, they'll be around another 30 years before they do that, you know. Right. <laughs> there's, there's a recruiting incentive, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Chuck, anything from you? Uh, it's always a pleasure uh having T on and then listening to the stories that he's got. Well, thank you, Chuck. I appreciate that, man. You bet. Tom, how about you? Yep. Ditto that. I agree. T, it's always good talking to you. And uh boy, today was just absolutely 
fascinating. Some really good stories. I, I love the part where they're coming in and stealing the meals <laughs> from you guys, <laughs> and then they get the special sandwich. The special <laughs> sandwich. <laughs> Hey, those things are so bad, even when we picked them up off the ground, the ants weren't even messing with them. <laughs> well, T, thanks for joining us, buddy. Really appreciate it. Not a problem. I've enjoyed it, and I'm glad to be here for y'all. So um, anytime y'all would like for me to be here, just let me know. We certainly oh, absolutely. All right, everyone. I'm, I'm wanting to stay in touch. Oh, you bet. I want to touch, stay in touch with you guys because there are some things that I'm interested in uh, doing some research on. and uh, So... I think we kind of touched on them talking yep. earlier, you know, but, uh, well, hang around, yeah, hang um, around for a bit. We're going to chat. Already. All right, everyone. Thanks for stopping by. Thanks for listening to this episode of Creek Devil. If you or anyone, you know, has had an encounter with these creatures, please contact us at William Jevning at yahoo.com. That's William, J-E-V-N-I-N-G, at yahoo.com. All communication is confidential. Join us for another program next week. And until then, keep your eyes open out there.